Good morning, everyone. On today's episode of the new penpodcast.com, I have the pleasure of being joined by Lori Ames, public relations specialist. How are you this morning, Lori? I'm good, Matt. It's so nice to be here on this otherwise dreary day. You know, um, you're in New York as well, aren't you? Yes. Just We've had snow, rain, clouds, and more rain already. Two, three days ago, it was like 65 degrees. I was putting my coat away, and today we're set to get one yeah. to three inches of snow here in Westchester. Mm-hmm. And they said maybe two here, but I don't believe them. But we'll see. You think less or more? Um, one or the other. <laughs> Either extreme, just not what they said, right? <laughs> just not what they predicted. I'm on the south shore of Long Island, so it just depends on wind and Bay temperatures. Got it. Um, you know, we, we joked about this before, and of course, <laughs> there's, there's something going off that I have no idea what it is or where it's coming from. It's not on my side. I promise. It's probably on mine. All right. It's gone. Yay. Um, you see, that's what happens when you talk bad about the weather gods. They're like, no, no, no. And that conversation, because they must have known I was about to ask you, in your line of work, if you were as if you were wrong or as inaccurate as the weather people are, as much as they are, would you still be in business? Oh, probably not. That's why I don't mind dissing the weather people now and again. We never diss Mother Nature. She's in charge. <laughs> My favorite thing is I understand, right? It's not a sign. It's as much art and science, kind of like writing, because you can't control Mother Nature. But at the end of the day, it's one of the only professions that I think makes six plus figures to, and and they're allowed to be wrong 50% of the time. They're always allowed to be wrong. No, we can't be wrong in book publishing and book publicity and book writing. We don't have that margin of error. I turn in a book with one grammatical error and it's like the end of my career. Yep. Yep. Everybody wants perfection and it's an imperfect world. So we do the best we can. I love that. Um, I tell that to everybody, you know, if you want to sit there long and hard, go to the library. I'm sure you will find mistakes in every single book on the library shelf. My dad, he just passed in October. He was 93 up until two weeks before he passed away. He was still reading books on um, a Kindle because he could make the print larger and he would still call me and say, you need to send a letter to this publisher because there's a mistake. <laughs> At 93 years old, picking out mistakes in traditionally published books. Yes. Yeah. My whole life he did that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Because yes, I, I don't think anyone can achieve any level of perfection in anything, except maybe the guy that's operating on me. Then I want to be fairly perfect. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So, Lori, if you'd be so kind, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing uh, marketing and public relations, and what you do for your clients. Well, I have owned my own agency for 10 years, and we specialize in nonfiction book publicity. It started just as media placement being the core of what we do, but it sort of expanded because a lot of business authors are using their books to to build their platform and, and for their business. They're publishing them or writing them not so much to sell books, but to use the books as a stepping stone for something else. So we sort of advise people early on how to publish their books. We introduce them to people like you. We introduce them to publishers. We 
help them figure out how they're going to use their book to build their platform. It's become doing book publicity, but also a little business consulting, a little psychology, a little bit of everything has grown. Before I started my own business in 2010, I worked for an agency in the city for quite a while and before that for a book publisher. So I've been in book publishing for a long time. I know the ins and outs from the in-house side, from the outside, from the upside down side. Um, it's, it's just what we live and breathe here every day. And our goal is to get as much coverage for our clients as possible and to help them attain their goals. When I work with somebody, I always ask them what their goals are because often it's not to sell books. It's to use the book to do something else. I love that. Um, in fact, we, I think you and I have had this conversation yes. offline. That's exactly how we start with clients as well, because there are platforms out there where if you want to be a best-selling author, it's going to be a completely different strategy mm -hmm. um, and set of steps that you're going to have to take to get there. Whereas if you're looking to use the book as a business tool and you have, you're happy selling a hundred copies, but to the right hundred people. Exactly then that's what we need to plan for in advance before you write word one. Totally. Or at least word 10. <laughs> I can write some of the words. And, you know, there are our clients who come to us with just the idea and don't know how to do the book. So, so book publishing has changed so much over the last 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, if you told somebody you were going with a hybrid publisher or self-publisher, it would be like, oh, no. And now there's so many options. There's traditional publishing, there's hybrid publishing, there's self-publishing. There's ghostwriters, as in Pen for Hire, where they do take somebody's ideas and actually create the book for them, which for executives is such a, a great tool to have. And probably 25 years ago, that was such a tiny part of the business. So everything's evolved. Yes. You know, as, as technology gets better, if you think about it, 20 years ago, you couldn't get pre-cooked meals showing up at your door. Um, now you can have almost anything in the world show up at your door in less than 48 hours, as long as you live, you know, somewhere close to a metropolitan city. So having that luxury and there's less of a stigma associated with doing something yourself because you don't even need someone like me you don't even need a, a hybrid publisher. If you really are willing to sit down, put in the time, watch a few YouTube videos, use the Amazon or Ingram resources, almost anyone can put out a high quality product without the threat of being ripped off, which is what you yes. had 10, 15, 20 years ago from a lot of the predatory companies. Actually, I actually worked on a book either last year or the year before where the co-author was an AI agent. They wrote a book they were trying to show the, the interaction between people and machine. And it was from somebody who was, who worked with Adobe and his co-author was an AI agent. And it was really fascinating to read. What is the name of that book? I will send it to you after I'm drawing okay. a total blank. I believe the author is Chris Duffy. I'm maybe getting that wrong and I hope he doesn't listen and, and hate me for it. Um, but it was really just a fascinating exercise in book writing. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com created by Pen for Hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base.
outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. You know, I would love to read that because more and more we're, I don't want to say being told to, but the suggestion or the undertone is that there should be more AI used in writing, whether it be books, copy, um, blogs, because we live in this age where everyone wants everything cheap, quick, and quality. And it's yeah. to have all three, even with a machine, but. I mean, you must get this too. Everybody's always looking for the best deal in publishing that cheap. I want, I want, to write the best book, but I don't want to pay that much for a ghostwriter, or I don't want to pay that much for cover design. And, you know, they put things out and get it done, you know, on, on Fiverr or whatever it is. And sometimes it's really good quality, but would you say you needed surgery and shot for the best price for a doctor? I mean, my father was an automobile mechanic and he owned a service station and he had a sign in the office of the shop when you first walked in, labor $50 an hour. If you tried to fix it yourself first, $100 an hour. So, you know, people have to be thoughtful. And for anyone listening who didn't quite understand what Lori's meaning by that sign, <laughs> if you can't do it, you're going to make a bigger mess trying just pay once to get it done the right way the first time. And yes, if you, you just got hit by a car. Are you asking in the ambulance? Are you taking me to the cheapest hospital? Or are you taking me to the best? If you're getting sued and you're about to lose your house, are you going for the cheapest lawyer or the one who's going to protect you the most? So you have it has to be, you know, you see posts on Facebook, you know, I need a plumber. Can, you know, is there one that's not going to charge me an arm and a leg? Yeah. But then are you going to need a second plumber? So just be, you know, I don't, that's enough on that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're uh, and I think you alluded to this before um, in that, that I don't think there is a set answer, but at what stage of the game do most of your clients come to you? Like, have they already written a book? And then the second part to that is at what stage would you prefer they came to you at? You know, I have long-term clients who come to me when they have an idea and they want to be hooked up with the right writer for them because for certain books, there are certain writers whom I recommend before I knew Matt Harms and would recommend him to find the right writer. Um, uh, so I have authors who come to me who've been clients before with just their next idea. And sometimes we talk it through and I'll say, okay, that's a great idea. I don't know if it's promotable. I think it's something you should do because it's a passion project and you don't need me to, to promote that. I have had clients come to me and have an idea and we've massaged it into a better trending idea. For me, the best client comes to me about a year before pub date, already having a deal, if it's a new client. And so we can plan 
when it's going to be published, maybe help them get endorsements if they need them, something like that. But then start work one or two months before pub date and work till one or two months after pub date for a launch campaign. Then hopefully they love what we've done. We've gotten a lot of coverage and they want to keep going because it's helping their business. And my favorite clients employed. <laughs> <laughs> Only not, because, someone, not someone who quit their job, spent their life savings writing this book and, and now is hoping to make it all back? Well, no, because that way they have a job and and the, the calls are weekly and we can go over things and, and such. I've worked with a couple of much older retired gentlemen and, and they, they, they're not busy enough during the day. So they're very, very focused on the campaign. And the campaign's like anything else. Sometimes things come in quicker. Sometimes it takes it takes longer. There's many, many steps. And it's too hard to explain day in and day out what's going on. So somebody who's employed, who's using the book to build their business or to enhance their business or to enhance their speaking career and knows that it's not going to happen overnight. Love it. Um, and based on the math I did... I'm imagining that four month window, two before, two after, that's kind of the minimum viable option to gain any type of traction or result. Or yes, because people need time to either read the book, write the article, they're working on other things. Just because it's it's an author's pub date doesn't mean a journalist cares. If they're not covering that topic right then and there, it's not gonna happen. We have had journalists contact us more than a year after we've pitched them because all of a sudden something fit in and they saved the information and it turned into a great story for the the former client and we still always go back we don't cut anybody off we have a client who i think we're going into year three and when we started just wanted straight book publicity on the one book and i had said do you, you know do you want to do a course or some training or some online um you know, create some online material that you can put out there. And he's like, no, 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 no. All right, we're going into year three. He's on book three. He has open sesame courses. He has boot camps he's running. He's doing all this stuff. And he's like, you told me so. And I make him say that every interview, that we every time we have a call. Not really. He, he did at the beginning, he would always say, you told me so. Now it's just become our joke as he now moves on to other things, having no idea that this would be what he wanted to do. And it was sort of like around at the end of the four months when we, he decided to continue that all this stuff started happening. And I had said, we're just laying the groundwork. Sometimes for four or five months, you're just laying the groundwork. You'll get coverage, but these other things don't happen right away. It's not always immediate gratification. That sounds very much to me like the actual process of writing a book, right? For someone who's never done it before, it's like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to pound the keyboard for a little bit and I'm going to have a book, not realizing that there's certain times where things move much quicker than others. Like maybe you fly through your outline in a day or two. Um, maybe your first couple chapters were really the, the, the heart and soul of what you wanted to talk about and you get it out. And now you're spending six months saying, how the hell am I going to finish this book? Not everything moves at the same speed all the time. And now what in publishing, what's happening is paper is an issue. Printing is an issue. Books are getting postponed. Books were postponed from the pandemic. 
and you know a lot of people wrote their books over the pandemic so now books are being published and we're hearing from certain publishers hey the printer's a little backed up so your march book's now going to be april or your march book is now going to be may and you have to be flexible it's not like anybody's punishing you personally for it it's just a nature of a business that's dependent on a lot of moving pieces I mean, the same can be said for anything in life, though, right? If you don't have the the wherewithal to deal with a delay or a setback, you're not going to get very far, right? You can go you can go to a restaurant, order a meal, and then say, sorry, you know, we had an issue or we're out of this. What are you going to do? You're going to cry about it and not look, eat? Look at these poor people who ordered cars that were on that tanker that just burned up and sank, and they've been waiting months and months. Their, car, their dealers called them and says, you know, they're the ship's on the way, and then you're watching TV and watching your car burn up and sink to the bottom of the ocean. You can't plan for that stuff. And you know what? No matter how bad you think you have it, someone has it worse. I had ordered a car in June, sold my other car thinking I'd have it, and I was carless for four months because my car didn't come until October because of whatever. Supply like, chain issues. Supply and, chain and issues. Things. And now I look at what you just said, and I'm like, well, at least I got the car. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were just watching it on the news, and it's like that's crazy. And they were very high end cars, so that you have to imagine not only the cost, but the time it took for the people to order them and, and get everything to be processed. And then all these cars are now at the bottom of the ocean or the sea, wherever they are. So I'm curious. While we're talking about things people may not realize, like when you order a car, you don't realize that it's getting built in a factory somewhere, possibly overseas, getting put on a shipping container, you know, all of that good stuff. So without giving any trade secrets, can you give us some, some insight into what goes on behind the scenes and why someone shouldn't just say, well, I'll do that myself. Those are my favorite people. If, if you think you can do it yourself, do it yourself. That's fine. You know, and for certain parts of a campaign, you really can. I mean, if you're a novelist and you want to do book clubs and do local things, yes, you are best in many cases doing that outreach, stopping in, you know, things like that. But for full campaigns, if you think you can do it yourself, that's great. I mean, I don't want to take away from anybody who can't afford to hire somebody and they want to do some of it themselves. But the behind the scenes part for us is, first of all, I have to read some of the book before we even take it on. I have to have a lot of conversations, make sure there's a good working and you know, working vibe going back and forth. Make sure it's a book that I feel is well written and that we can publicize. We don't take on every title. There are agencies who are bigger who do fiction, nonfiction, cooking, health, um, a wide range of stuff. We focus on nonfiction. We specifically do business books. We do do some other books in the nonfiction space if I feel a really good attachment to it or if I know the author or there's another relationship. We read the book. We write about the book. We write a press release. Then we have to come up on how we're going to position it for the media and decide who we're going to go out after. So there's there's many people and many steps involved. To set up one interview, it's sending out an email waiting for a response, sometimes sending out a second and third email. Then let's say it's a radio interview and somebody wants to do an interview. Is the person available on this day and this time? 
then we have to go back and ask the person, are you available? They may not be available. There could be 10 or 12 contact points before an interview is actually scheduled and airs. I mean, even to, to do an interview with you, it's signing up on the calendar. It, it's making sure it works. It's getting um, the link. It's having the link not work. It's rescheduling the interview. There are all these steps that happen that people don't realize. It's not like you and I had a phone call and said, hey, let's just do the interview. Bingo. The next day we did the interview. There are pieces. You needed material from me. I needed to know more about how it was going to work. There were questions. So having that's just you and me, two people doing one interview. So let's say we're setting up 10 interviews for somebody. Imagine all that back and forth for 10 different interviews with 10 different producers, 10 different hosts. So there's a team here that does all that. So by the time the author knows what's going on, they don't always see all that behind the scenes stuff. When we have clients write guest articles, we print them out here, we edit them, we make changes, we make sure the word counts right. It's not just, okay, you wrote an article here, send it to me, I'm going to submit it. We try to take a lot of care so that our clients are always presented in the best light to the media. And we have four of us working on all these interviews all the time to make sure that to the best of our ability, things don't go wrong. And I would imagine media, you know, folks who are out there offering these slots for, for news articles, for interviews, they're probably fairly busy people. And if they return someone's call on a Monday and you're busy working your job, writing your book, managing everything else you're trying to do on your own, you don't get back to them to a Thursday, there's probably a high likelihood that that slot's no longer available, right? Particularly with, with broadcast, where somebody will say, okay, we had an email the other day. We have this date in May already. Somebody's booked that far out. So we have to present it. It's, it's for us, the CEO of a company. So we're going through We had to prepare a briefing doc, send it to the marketing team. So the marketing team to make sure that it fits in with the, the corporate message and then get it in his calendar if he's available to do it. And if not, then we have to go back and get another date. So it's, it's a lot of back and forth. And that's what we like doing. And we also like it when a journalist reaches out to us and says, well, how will this fit into what I'm working on? And then you get to have a more in-depth conversation about how you can fit your client into a piece that somebody's already predetermined they're working on. Sometimes our pitch triggers the idea for the story, but other times they're already working on something and they'll say, well, this doesn't fit, but do you have somebody that can talk about, you know, X, Y, Z instead of ABC? So it's about keeping honest and transparent relationships all the way around. Got it. And now I would imagine going back to something you said earlier about your, your real specific niche on business nonfiction. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. One of the best things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. But one of the worst things about independent publishing is that anyone can publish a book. Don't fall into the trap of trying to master the process on your own for the first time and think you can compete with authors who have already figured it all out. Let us help you put out the best possible book. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview.
I would imagine, at least from where I sit as a writer, because that's very much what we focus on for ghostwriting, um, you know, for coaching and things, what we'll dabble a little bit in other areas. But for a process standpoint, it's got to, again, my thoughts, you, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Really, when you reach out to your contacts, whether they be journalists, broadcasters, they know kind of in advance what you're going to be presenting to them, right? Yes. They also know that we've vetted the clients. All my clients are credentialed. So when we do veer off the business, if we're doing something in, you know, we'll do something in health once in a while, we'll do something in a social issue once in a while. They know that the person that we're presenting to them is an expert in that field. There are, and not to, to diss any author for anything they're writing, but the memoir-ish stories where they're, somebody's telling a story and it could be about divorce, it could be about a, a bad family situation, those are very poignant. But for me, if I was pitching that, I would need a PhD or a psychologist or a an attorney or somebody as the spokesperson because most of the media people know that when we're pitching them, it's going to be an expert of a certain level. That's how we handle there. You know, those are for our clients because that's how we've built our rep reputation. There's nothing wrong. I mean, people will interview the other people. It's just not who we represent. That's why there are so many PR agencies who do lots of different types of books. And I recommend them all the time. I have a, a, top five list of other PR agencies I recommend if it's not a good fit for us who do really good work. So, and we all know each other. And especially those of us who've been doing this for a while, we all know what each other's strengths are. So it, it's fun to be able to say to somebody, that's great. It's not a good fit for me, but here's four people you should contact because one of them is going to be a good fit for you. I love it. That's, that's exactly something we do here at Pen for Hire. If the book is not a good fit for, you know, either the topic or your desired outcome, we will pass that along. Um, and from a credentialed standpoint, I, I really love what you said in that memoir field, because we get a lot of people who have memoir ideas, right? And that's one of the hardest things to walk someone through the, the landmines, shall we mm -hmm. say, because everyone's story is valid. Right. I, I really Absolutely. believe that. Absolutely. Some of them, though, are legacy stories for family and others are more appealing to the public. And even there, there is crossover as well. But if you want to if you're coming across as an expert on something, even if you've achieved some tremendous feat of something, if it's in a field like you just mentioned, like healthcare or law um, and you are not a doctor or a lawyer, it becomes a little muddy because when people go to pick up a book on one of those subjects, they're looking for all the different letters after the name to credential the person. And I imagine it's the same as you just intimated when you bring it to the media, they want to know, well, who is this person and how are, how are they going to help our audience realize that they know what they're talking about? Yes. And some, and for some radio shows, it's a quick interview. They're, they're not as scared. They want to do the personal story, but if it's for a bigger outlet that, that they need the credentialed person to be giving advice. 
Lori, as, as we're coming up close to the end of our time together, I want to jump back to something you said earlier. Um, I know you worked for a publishing company for a while and, and that may, I'm sure things have changed, but I'm curious, one, what made you leave to go into PR instead? And two, what's one thing you can tell us about publishing companies that we may not already know? Well, when I was in publishing, I started an editorial for a very tiny house and I just didn't like editorial. I liked talking to people. I liked coming up with ideas. I'd like more of that. So I worked at a, at a major house for six years. And then what happens in publishing often is they were bought by a, another company and somebody else was in charge and they wanted their own people. So I was like, okay, I don't know if I want to do that big. I'm not a corporate person. I'm not a, a girl suit and tie person. It's just not who I am. So I decided that I really, I had been doing publicity for at this company for a long time. And I decided that was a field I wanted to stick in. So I went to a, a smaller agency, which was perfect. And I was there for a very, very long time. In 2010, my son became very ill, so I could no longer commute to the city. And I started my own agency actually from his hospital room. And um, this is what I was meant to do. I it's not like owning your own business means all of a sudden you have more free time. You have way less free time than ever before. But I stay on Long Island. I don't do a lot of traveling. I, I don't want to anyway. And I was able to build the company the way I wanted to and and train people. I have a lot of young employees who, who come through the door and go on to other things. Except the current ones who are listening who are going to stay here forever. Just want to make sure they hear that. Um, and I just love being able to have ideas and share ideas and be transparent with potential clients without the boundaries of a corporate structure. And I love what I do. I want to do it forever. I love the way the landscape has changed. When I started in book publicity, we would send authors on 20 city publicity tours. You don't do that anymore. Um, I mean, maybe for a, a rock star, a celebrity, but for most authors, it's not, it's not necessary to, to run up that kind of expense anymore. There's so many other ways to do stuff. There are video interviews now. I, I love that the one good thing that came out of the pandemic is that everybody knows how to use Zoom now. So all these video interviews are really good and you can share them and they're global. Anybody can, can log on and see them. Nothing is, is local anymore. And, and they can be stored and replayed. And you can use them and share them and, and it's great. And we have clients all over the world. I have clients from Singapore to California. So it's fun to do publicity for people who want publicity in the US. And for our clients, we do publicity globally. As long as as long as there's an English language publication, we will reach out to them. They may not do it, but we will target them. I love it. And you've echoed something that just about, if not every industry professional that we've had on the show or that I've worked with in some capacity does. I've never met anyone who is in this industry for the money and not because they love it, right? This is just, isn't something you can do if you don't want to get up every morning and do it. I, I, I think that's true. And I think that's how you and I met through our passion and it's why we do what we do and we do it all the time. It's just in, in our blood. 
Yeah, absolutely. Lori, if people wanted to find out more about working with you, how can they do that? They can go to my website. It's theprfreelancer.com, T-H-E, P-R for public relations, freelancer, F-R-E-E-L-A-N-C-E-R.com. And it has my contact information there. Or email Matt. He knows how to reach me. Um, and Or look me up on LinkedIn. It's Lori, L-O-R-I, Ames, A-M-E-S, at the PR Freelancer. And on LinkedIn, otherwise just... Just, yeah, I connected with every Lori Ames on LinkedIn because I thought it was a cool thing to do. But you'll find me. I kind of look like this. So <laughs> I'm there. That's great. That's great. Um, and Lori's information will be in the show notes. You can, as she indicated, also email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at penforhirenyc.com. We always love to hear from our listeners. Any feedback, um, any guests that you want to speak to, we're happy to connect you just spent this time listening to Matt Harms and Lori Ames from the PR Freelancer. Lori, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to be here this morning. Thank you. We should take the show on the road. Love it. Absolutely. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Have Have a a great great day, day. Matt. Bye. Bye.